Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. This is Adam Mixon with the Ministry Collaborative. I'm here with my colleagues, Christy Farmer and Amy Wiles. And we're going to be talking today a bit about what our executive director, Mark Ramsey, has called the epidemic of loneliness. Now, feelings of loneliness and isolation are not strange in our culture. But over the last several years with this pandemic and now the aftershocks of the pandemic, these feelings of loneliness and isolation are exacerbated. And I think with things being done well, the church is kind of well-suited to speak to the issues of isolation and loneliness and to offer comfort. But in reality, it seems like many of us have been kind of caught flat. So before I get my colleagues to kind of respond and talk with me about that, Christy and then Amy, will you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your context? Sure. My name is Christy Farber. I'm the senior pastor at Mercer Island Presbyterian Church, which is just outside of Seattle. I've been here serving this church for about six years. And this is the area in which I grew up. And so the Pacific Northwest in its quiet space where I feel like people and isolation is a little bit in the DNA, even prior to people talking about this epidemic of loneliness, I feel like isolation and solitude, it's an interesting world where that is kind of what makes up some of the long-term DNA of the area in which I live. Mm, Interesting. I'm Amy Wiles, and until very recently, I served as the pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Waterloo. A little bit of the context of that church and loneliness, I think that my experience with loneliness at that congregation primarily had to do with age. A lot of my members are older, and live by themselves or live in an assisted living facility. And so loneliness has been a big part of their life in the last couple years and even before that. I say until recently, because I will say that I have a new job, a new ministry of sorts in the community. I'm now working in the Community Foundation of Northeast Iowa. I'm their scholarship and grant manager. And so I'm learning kind of a different idea of community and where loneliness fits in there as well. Christy, I want to tug on something that you said while you were telling us where you were from, kind of this idea of solitude and isolation kind of being baked into the DNA of where you are serving and how there really is a fine line there, solitude, good, isolation, bad. What do you think is the fulcrum that allows us to balance, right? The second question, I'm not sure I know how to answer. (laughs) The first one, there are news stories around where people are celebrating the chance to come back and to have all of these events, all of these ways that they can come back and be in community. I read an article in the Seattle Times in the last couple of years, and they talked about people are familiar with FOMO, the fear of missing out. But in Seattle, there is this thing called JOMO, 
which is the joy of missing out, that people here have like this just great delight when they're able to say, oh, I don't want to do that thing. <laughs> nope, I really want to stay home. And this is the first of these articles was actually written uh, in 2019. It was prior to the pandemic that this is long standing for over a hundred years, people have been looking at the Pacific Northwest as an area where people move and they're more likely to do individual sports than team sports. You've got more people who bike alone, who will go hiking alone, who ski alone. You've got the least number of adult basketball teams than other cities around the country. It's just a fascinating place of people who bowling alone, I feel like that is... <laughs> rooted here. You've, you don't have a lot of institutions that are rooted in the Pacific Northwest, and that includes churches. Mm. Some of the earlier studies of when the Pacific Northwest was thought of as the nun zone, the area where people are least likely to go to church, some of that is that churches were never started here. They were rooted other places. And when people moved here, nobody really fully understands it. But, you know, is it the vast landscape? Is it people came here to run away from something else? Uh, were they looking for kind of a different experience and explorer kind of life that is more isolated, right? But loneliness and being alone are different things. And I think that's where sometimes we forget which one of those we're talking about. And right now, here, I'm seeing people experience that they've always loved having time alone. But right now I do see people in this congregation that I serve and people all around here experiencing loneliness. And I see that different than being alone. And I think people don't know what to do with that. I see you nodding, Amy. Is there mm -hmm. something of that that resonating with you? And Very much so. And you mentioned an article. I read an article, maybe you ought to, it was in the New York Times by John Leland. I'm going to read just here what he wrote. Loneliness, as defined by mental health professionals, is a gap between the level of connectedness that you want and what you have. And so I just was really nodding with that, Christy, of the idea that you can be crowded with people. Frankly, if we're talking about church, you could be somebody who's gone to church every Sunday your whole life and not feel the level of connectedness that you long for. Mm -hmm. And so that's a deeper issue that I think as Christians, as church leaders, as not even leaders, just anyone who is interested in community really needs to be asking right now is what does connectedness look like? This whole idea that the church is, for lack of a better way of saying it, we're supposed to be experts on community and connection. But it appears that this epidemic of loneliness actually preceded the pandemic and we weren't wise to it in some ways. We were good at gathering perhaps, but not so good at connecting. And even among clergy, people who are constantly surrounded by people and kind of mired in the messiness of human life, how we can at the same time just feel alone, which Amy, you said it well, speaks to something deeper about how we're formed. 
which may actually require some reform. And is there an opportunity with that, you think, to do things differently or to... I think so. I've been kind of wondering. I think this is a hard question. And so it's not something that you can just say, so here's the how-to, right? (laughs) This is how we do community differently. In thinking about, you know, how do we move forward, I think some of the simpler things that we have not always prioritized as a church have actually been revealed to be really important. And I guess what I mean to say is I think that, and we've talked a lot about this at the Ministry Collaborative, is there seems to be this priority around programs and getting people, quote, plugged in. But what does that mean, plugged in? It usually means, well, who can we get to be in the choir? Who can we get to be in this committee? How can we, to sound a bit crass, how can we use people to promote our organization and to build capacity for our organization? And as long as we approach gathering as community in those terms, I just don't know how true connectedness would ever be formed. You know, nobody wants to connect with someone if they just feel like they're a commodity, (laughs) you know. And it's just made me wonder, especially as my husband and I are now visiting churches, like (laughs) we're trying to find a community. It's very easy to walk through the door as a younger, I can't really call myself young anymore, but a a younger uh, woman with two young kids and a husband and just feel the, like the the swarm, you know, (laughs) and to feel, I mean, bless them, right? In the South where I grew up, we'd say bless their hearts, you know, but with every question of, well, what do you do? Like just to see the wheels turning of, oh, like, now we can have a children's program, or now we can have another singer for the choir. And and I just, me personally, know I don't feel connected to that. It makes me wonder again how it is that we foster that connection, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we're supposed to be experts on community mm-hmm. and gathering the table of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of something that... I read some years back where people were talking about good places to go and cry Mm -hmm. and none of the places listed was a church, which in some ways is sad. You know, I didn't grow up in a particular tradition. So my expectation was if you were seeking comfort or a place where you could sigh and take a deep breath, then you would go to church for that. And that's not where people are going. And I don't know that we're sensitive enough to even receive people in a way where they feel safe to do just that. I mean, I think there is the, how do we connect people when they are, but you know, if I think about Amy, you, your husband, your kids going to church, right? You already know what you need. Like, you know, I'm looking for this, which I think is there's, how do we help those folks feel heard to see, be known which maybe that's a piece, like, I know your story, right? Like, I think that's a bit of loneliness is often not being seen or not being known. And that's what we forget, you know, in that idea of like, we need you to feed our church machine. We're forgetting that actually we're people to know one another and to remind one another that 
we are fully known and we're fully loved. But I also think about all of the people who aren't walking through, who have kind of disappeared, especially in this time. I was thinking about how it's very hard for anyone to ask for help on very tangible things, right? Like we have just such a do-it-yourself mentality. And yet asking for help on something like loneliness, that's even harder, right? Like I can eventually say I've watched enough YouTube videos to know that I can't quite fix this part of my car. And so maybe I can ask for help. But that's practical and it's tangible. And then loneliness, I don't even know how to articulate that in myself. And I don't know how someone can help me. And so to even reach out and ask for that help, that is so much harder. And so as people who we have been taught to be self-sufficient and not ask for it, I think we are now asking people to notice an invisible thing to ask for help with and then try to meet those needs. I mean, there are so many barriers to this. I think that we have our work cut out for us in trying to address, see, care, nurture all of the people who are here and who have kind of slipped from the cracks. Yeah, I hear kind of underlying what you're saying, Christy, as this loneliness in some ways is an admission of vulnerability. Yeah. And that is unacceptable Mm -hmm. in so many areas in our culture and even in our churches. The space is just not built broadly enough. It's not generous enough where there is any inclination toward vulnerability. And the risk of rejection. I really appreciate what you said, Christy. Of like, I don't even know how to ask what I need when I'm lonely. And it just made me think, I wonder what would happen if I went up to one of my now coworkers that I'm getting to know and just said, I need a friend. Will you be my friend? Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> we do that when we're like what? five years old, right? We tell yes, our children this. Right. We're like... Bravely. Go, yes. go onto yes. that playground. Make a friend. Make a friend. I've yes. recently stopped telling my 10-year-old this. Like, what is the age where we stop telling kids? Yeah. We'll just go make a friend. I don't know. And I tell my children that, like, it's easy. Just go do it. You know? <laughs> like, when did it start becoming hard? When did we stop saying, like, name when you need a friend, you know? I think some of it, again, is deeply bred into this sense that do it yourself, to admit that I need somebody, or even if it's not a profound material need, but I'm just, I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. I'd like some company. Mm-hmm. Oh my, sign of weakness. It was the statistic recently about post pand or you know, whatever time we're in right now, but it's recent of young people. And I think young people is, you graduated from high school and you're 18 to 25. But it's over 60% of young people are experiencing serious isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is astronomical, right? That's the first age where you have to make friends and find people and be known in a place outside of a school, outside of a place that is formed for you, away from family of origin, prior to family where you create for yourself. And I wonder, 
like, how do we name these things as a church, right? So to me, that's one of the pieces, is as the church, these are hard things, and they're surprisingly hard, and what if we normalize them, mm. right? What if we said this, this is one of the places, this is a normal human experience, and what if we talked about loneliness? What if we talked about how hard it is? What if we brought up some of the things that we're talking about, and what if we just named it more often, Every Sunday before recently, I would say in my benediction, God grant us the grace to risk something big for something good. And I'm just wondering if we should start naming connection, reaching out to people as a risk that is good. Mm -hmm. Just saying it is scary. It is risky, but it's risking something big for something good. How do you think the gospel responds to loneliness? The word became flesh and dwelt among them. We have an embodied faith. God is with us. Amen. I'm pretty sure Fred Craddock once preached a sermon about being a friend of God. It's a risky friendship. It's a vulnerable friendship. And it's one that sends you into a place. But it sends you into a place where you are known. Thank you all for taking this time to share with us. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. It was a joy. Glad to be asked. I count you as a friend. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.